Alright, what's up everybody? Before we get into today's Girls Got Game episode, I want to put out two disclaimers. First, this is another Wednesday start for the LPGA Tour. They're technically playing on Thursday, however the event's in Singapore, which is quite a bit ahead of USA time, regardless of where you are located in the country. So I'm on the eastern coast, and it's going to be a 7.25pm lock on Wednesday night, so make sure you get your lineups in. Second disclaimer, I was moving into a new home this weekend for the past four days, so I'm a little bit behind on my prep and I'm a little bit behind on recording, so I'm not sure how much time I'm going to have to edit, so if there's some parts of this episode that would normally be edited edited out, I apologize for that. I'm just short on time and I want to get the information out for you all to hear, so please bear with me. All right, let's get into Girls Got Game. Welcome back, Degenerates of the World. Thank you for tuning in to this installment of the Girls Got Game podcast. My name is Joe Butter. I am your host, as always. I am, again, solo for this recording. This is going to be a rather short one because, frankly, it's just a small field. We only got about 70 players in the field. It's a no-cut event, so keep that in mind. I'll mention that a few times, so don't worry about it. Um, Thank you for listening. I've had quite a bit of feedback lately. Um, Good Mostly good, a little bit of bad, uh, a couple bad picks. People will be real quick to let you know about that. But I do appreciate the feedback. I do appreciate the downloads. Um, the last couple weeks have been, you know, some of the most downloaded periods of the show. So I'm grateful for that. And thank you. Hopefully I keep this going. Hopefully you guys continue to enjoy it and pass it on to your friends. And we have some more fun. Anyways, I hope you guys tuned in to... The event last week, it was incredible. Excellent, excellent tournament out there in Los Angeles. Um, That was some of the most exciting golf I've seen on Sunday in in a while. Um, Jessica Corda looked to be in control the entire week. I mean, wire to wire, Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then just faltered on Sunday or Saturday, and Brooke Henderson didn't Jin Young Ko also just faltered on Saturday she couldn't get it going she was my pre-tourney pick to win she was my pre-Saturday pick to win my pre-Friday pick I held strong with Jin Young Ko that entire week I really thought she was going to win there was just some weird part of me that didn't think Jessica Corda was going to close that out really from the get-go I don't know what it was it's not that she's not a good player I know she's a good player I know she knows how to win she's won seven times on the LPGA tour I know she can do it there was just something about that week that I just didn't think she was going to do, but I thought it was going to be Jin Young Ko, and obviously I was proven incorrect. It turned out to be Brooke Henderson. It was a hell of a performance by her, a ridiculous up and down on 18 to close it out. Um, just she she was the, she earned it. She was the only one that really played well on Saturday, and she won the event, rightfully so. She should have. She played the best over the weekend. So kudos to her. That was an awesome awesome event. I had a lot of fun watching it uh, throughout moving into a new home, which is always a pain in the ass. Never recommended, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So I was a little out of touch. I was not really available on Twitter. I wasn't watching live, um, but I did get to watch it and I I tweeted about it after the fact. Um, It wasn't a great week for me. DFS wise, I had a lot of 
long shots that didn't play well. I did hit the nail on the head with Dana Finkelstein at, at 6,200. She came in the top 10 and looked phenomenal. I just didn't have enough of her. I went a little bit heavier on Nayeon Choi, who ended up missing the cut on the number, which is really irritating. But other than that, it was an excellent event. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, damn near hit my third straight outright winner. That would have been pretty cool. But back to the lab. We're getting ready for the HSBC Women's World Championship in Singapore. They're playing at the Sentosa Golf Club, the Tanjung Course. Sorry if I mispronounced these words. Uh, they've been playing. This event has been going on for a while, since about 2008. However, it's only been at this course since 2013. So I'm taking a lot of my information from that. Uh, getting information from the past seven years of event information because 2020 was canceled due to COVID uh, and then 2013 to 2019 was at the golf course. So that's what I'm going to be taking into consideration when I'm looking at course history. I'm not going to, or tournament history. I'm not going to be looking beyond that because it was a different course. Um, frankly, it doesn't matter. And the winners before at the other course, outside of Angela Stanford, who won it the last year in 2012, none of the other winners are really relevant right now. So it really doesn't matter all that much. But the last seven years, obviously very relevant. Same course, uh, a lot of the same players, so we'll get into that. It appears it's going to be about 65 to 6,600 yards. Scorecard says 67, but it, it looked like it was 65.50 in 2019 when they played it. So I'm going to be looking kind of in that range. The course looks pretty wild. Um, I was looking at the course map, and there's a lot of water. It seems eight holes are directly affected by water. And from what I could gather, the 17th green seemed to be not really an island green, but like an island green area. Like there's like a fairway run up to the green. There's a bunker, but it's completely surrounded by water. Uh, there's just a bridge. It's like TPC Sawgrass 17, except there's a little bit more space, which could be interesting. Um, I don't know how big that actual island is. Like it might not be that interesting at all. I mean, if there's a lot of space, it, it might be kind of hard to find the water. But from what it looked like on... You know, an image on Google Maps. It looked like it could be interesting, you know, come Saturday night, that final round coming down the stretch. So we'll see how that goes. Um, other than that, let's get into it. There's not a whole lot of information to go on for that course um, in particular. It is a no-cut event, as I mentioned previously. There's only 70-ish players. So it's going to be a little bit different when you're looking at the bottom of the board. We're not going to be looking for you know, $6,200 player that, you know, has a tendency to make cuts but doesn't make make it into contention. We're going to be looking at $6,200 player that really has a chance to make a lot of birdies. Not necessarily win the event, but if they can make some birdies and score some drafting points, maybe outscore their finished placement, that's all we need. That's, that's the big thing this week. So I added a piece to my model, um, birdie or better percentage on the LPGA Tour, which is just information that I got off LPGA.com. I just added it in for this week in particular. It's not something that I normally focus on because generally speaking, I want people that score better rather than just make a bunch of birdies and a bunch of bogeys and you know hover around the cut line. This week, birdies are going to help a lot um, because you know everybody's going to have a six of six unless somebody withdraws. So you need scoring. You don't necessarily need to get six players through the cut, obviously. So we'll, I'll be talking about that a little bit. But like I said, it's going to be short and sweet. I got 
I'm up against the wall for time. I want to get this thing out so you have at least 24 hours to do your research, listen to the show, and get your lineups in. They did expand the $8 contest on DraftKings. There's 882 entries, a 26-entry uh, contest, which was 13 last week. And that was $2,000 at first instead of the $1,000, which they did for the a Inspiration, which was a major. They upped it to 2000 but since then it's been 1000 like it was before, but they got it back up to 2000 for, you know, a normal event. This is almost like a, a, a WGC on the PGA Tour. It's almost what this feels like, although you're missing some of the big players. Both the quarter sisters are out. Um, you're missing, say, Young Kim. So you're missing some big-name players that kind of take away from the WGCs where everybody plays, but that's kind of what you get the sense that this is. It's kind of, you know, they're invitational no cut like cash grab type of event uh so that's kind of the way i'm viewing it just missing a couple players but i'm gonna get right into the pricing because i want to get this out for you so let's get right into it uh 10k group starts off we got jen young ko on top of the board at 11.3 lydia ko right under her 11.1 nb park 10.8 danielle kang 10.5 hyoju kim 10.2 there's not much that I can say negatively about this group. Um, the one knock I have is on Danielle Kang. I'm not sure why she withdrew from the last event. Could be because she hasn't been playing very well, wanted to get her swing in, in order, which I commend. She needed to do that. She hasn't looked good. And this is an event that she's come to every year, and frankly, she has not done well at all. Uh, she has one. She finished runner-up in 2018. And after that, she came in fifth in 2013. Other than that, a whole lot of nothing. Three times she finished outside the top 35, which would be devastating to a no-cut event. That That's just, you can't have that from the fourth highest price player in the field. Um, and, and frankly, she hasn't really been playing that well. Like, there's people that are priced right around her here that are playing so much better, that have better course history, that I, do, I just trust more. Um, Jin Young-Ko, I'm going right back to her. She's the number one player in the world for a reason. Outside of Nelly Corda, she's probably playing maybe MB Park. She's playing the best on tour right now. Uh, she hasn't finished outside the top 10 in any event that she made the cut, which she missed one cut at the drive-on. Other than that, she has a third, two fourths, and a seventh. So everything inside the top seven, this is no cut, so we don't have to worry about that. She could just pile on the birdies. Um, she's one of the best on tour, and, and birdies are better. She came in third in my model. She She does everything well. Um, can't go wrong there. Lydia Ko, I'm a little shaky on. Um, she looked much better on Thursday than she did on Wednesday. She followed a 78 opening round last week with a 68. Missed a cut, but got closer to the cut line than I was anticipating after that first round. She looked horrible. But as they mentioned on the broadcast, you know, 27 times. Like, she's probably tired. I mean, it was an emotional win the week before. She finished runner-up at the ANA after the record tying Sunday performance. She's probably a little worn down. She just was coming off the high of getting her first win in three years. Like it's just that it was all the ingredients were there for just a letdown round, which she did. And she came back the next day and played phenomenally. And this is the course where she's played really, really well. Um, she has in the past seven years, she's finished in the top 20 six times. So she's always right there. Um, she finished runner up in 2018 and or not 2018. Uh, she finished runner-up in 2015. 
And other than that, it's 11th, 10th, 9th, 12th, 15th. It's just she's always right there. She just hasn't gotten it done here, which you kind of need a win on your roster when you're playing in a, an event with this few players. You need to have the winner. Unless all six of your players come inside the top ten, you really need the winner. And I'm not sure Lydia Ko is going to win. NB Park is somebody I'm looking at that really can win here. Uh, she's done it twice. We know that she can win everywhere. Um, she's coming off really her worst performance of the year, coming in all the way down in 15th place. I mean, which almost seems like her floor. It, it, I'm not sure it can get a whole lot worse for her, honestly. Her game is just so consistent. She's so accurate. She's such a good putter. She's probably the best putter on the planet. Can't go wrong there. She's only 10-8. She's the third highest priced player in the field. I'm going to be starting a lot of lineups with, with MB Park. Hyoju Kim, I'm not exactly sure what to do with. Uh, she's probably going to be the lowest owned in this group. However, I think there's good reason for that. Um, I'm probably not going to be playing her. Not because I don't think she's a good player, just because I'd rather go to MB Park. Or there's a couple in the upper nines that I really, really like that are right below her that I think have better possibility to win. Although, I wouldn't knock you for playing her. I mean, she's second among this five group of five players in finish, average finish. Uh, she finishes at 16th place on average. Um, she's only owned around 6 to 8% each week. She produces an 8x value on her. DraftKings price, her price has gone up a little bit this week but that's because of the, the strength of the field the size of the field but she does do everything well so i wouldn't knock you for doing it i'm just not sure i'm going to do it because i'm either going to go up to nb park or even jin young ko or i'm going to drop down into the nines that's kind of where i'm at so speaking of the nines there's my transition let's get into it hannah green nine nine so yun yu nine seven shen shen fang nine six Minji Lee, 9-5. Ali Ewing, 9-4. Patty Tavitanikit, 9-3. Jungun Lee, 6-9-2. Arya Jatanagar, 9-1. Charlie Hull, $9,000 even. Jungun Lee, 6, has shown some life. She played really well last week. Still not sure I'm going to play her, but that was refreshing to see that she finally played up to the price that they've been sticking her at. I'm not sure why she's been priced so high, but she finally played to that price. My favorite in this group is probably Hannah Green at 9-9. I'm not sure if it's going to be chalky because everybody's going to recognize what she's been doing. Her last three events, she finished the last three. She's played every week in the last four. Her last three, though, she finished 14th, 12th, and 3rd. So she's playing extremely well. Her price is just ballooning up to damn near $10,000. $10, but she's producing almost an 11x value on DraftKings. That'll go down a little bit unless she wins because her price is a lot higher than it has been. But she's a great putter, very, very long, which could help here. Seeing it is, is a little bit longer than what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And if there's a lot of water around the green, she could be coming in with, you know, an iron or two shorter than, you know, some of the other players, which would really benefit. Give you some advantage in the accuracy department when approaching these, you know, water surrounded greens. Um, and frankly, just, just, she's just playing extremely well. And in a no cut event, you can just kind of pin your ears back and just start firing at holes and making birdies. She averages four and a half birdies around. She's right at the top of the list in that, uh, she finished ninth overall in my model. She's a six price player. So she's right where she's supposed to be really. 
safe play. And I think she's going to be lower owned than what you would think. Um, I think she's going to be higher than she has been. I think and like it's going to be fairly chalky, but with only 880 entries, I I'm I still see her being under 10% with, you know, the Danielle Kang, Hyoju Kim, so you and uh, you and Shan Shan Fang are much more well known, and right around that similar price range. I think people are going to cling to those names. I'm hoping that's what I'm hoping. Uh, but I I do like So Yun Yu also. Uh, she came in seventh in my model. Uh, she's also been playing well, producing a nine X value on DraftKings. Her price is relatively similar to what it's been, so she can easily replicate that. Um, just playing extremely well, extremely steady. She has a great course history here. Uh, she has two top fives, a top 10, and a top 20 all in the last five years. Um, just playing extremely well, nothing outside. She finished outside the top 35 once, so she has a much better chance of finishing inside the top 20 than she does finishing outside the top 35, which is big. In no-cut event, you really need people to finish north toward the top. You can't just get six, you know... Six players inside the top 40, and that's pretty much better than everybody else. That's not going to work here. Not this week. We need we need really four players inside probably the top 15 and probably the winner to have a chance. Um, and I can see So Young Yu winning. I can see Hannah Green winning, believe it or not. I can see her winning this event. With, with the little bit softer of a field, I can see her winning. I'm always gonna play Patty Tabatanicate. I just, I just am. I'm, I'm such a fanboy. Uh, she's averaging four and a half birdies around. She struggled last week, which I think is gonna help keep her ownership down a little bit. Uh, but similar to Lydia Ko, she played much better on Thursday and damn near made the cut after opening with a 75. Uh, I think she shot 69 day two and missed the cut by one. Or she might have shot 76, 69, whatever it was. She missed the cut by one shot um, and and played much better day two than day one. Uh, so just kind of coming off that high of winning a major. She took a week off, probably didn't touch the clubs much, probably was celebrating, enjoying life as a major champion, as an LPGA champion. That was her first win on the LPGA Tour, period, let alone a major. Um, so she probably needed a, you know, a little week to decompress, and now she can get back at it. Arya Jitanagarn, um, let me preface this by saying I don't have a whole lot of outright fades. I have about five or six people that I'm completely fading, like not even remotely considering. Other than that, it's so I got my my list of players. I got some highlighted in green, which are obviously we know what that means. That's green means go. Let's play them. I got a bunch in yellow that I'm really not sure about that I'm going to continue to do more research about. And then I got a few in red that I'm just not touching. Jatana Garn's yellow. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. Her course history here is phenomenal. In six years, she's finished inside the top 25 times, including a runner-up in two top fives. So three of six years, she's finished in the top five. She's just coming in on such poor form that I'm not sure if the course history trumps the form. She finished 53rd overall in my model, in, and she's the 13th highest-priced player. And she's priced, she, she's deserving of that price. It's not an issue with where she's priced. It's just an issue with where she's playing that I'm not sure I can get up to that price. The course history is just kind of the 
caveat to that where it's like, well, could this be, you know, the get right place for her? I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about it. As of right now, I'm not playing her, uh, but that obviously could change. I'm not quite sure. Shen Shen Fang is another one that I think people are going to cling to because she came out really, really, really well at the ANA Inspiration where everybody watched. She came third. That was her debut tournament this year. I think that was her first tournament since like 2019. Um, she took like a year off with COVID. But she looked really good, so I think a lot of people are going to play her. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. She has no finishes inside the top 20 um, over the last seven years, so that's a little concerning. And oh, That's not true. She has one. She finished 13th in 2016. And outside of that, she's finished outside the top 35 twice. So I'm... Uh, I don't know. At 9,600, she doesn't have a what appears to be a lot of upside. She averages under four birdies around. Um, she did, however, finish fourth in my model, which has to do with incredible accuracy and her great putting. So take take that for what it's worth. Other than that, I'm not really considering much here. Jungwoon Lee six. she looked really good last week. I don't know. I'm just still a little nervous of the five previous events where she looked like shit. So I'm not sure if I'm going to go there or not. Let's get into the 8s. Jenny Shin, 8-9. NG Chun, 8-8. Carlota Saganda, 8-7. Mel Reed, 8-6. Maria Jatanagarn, 8-5. Amy Olsen, 8-4. A-Lim Kim, 8-3. Nasa Hataoka, 8-2. Megan Kang, 8-1. Amy Yang, $8,000 even. So this is interesting. Because right before I got on, I was, I did my... Let me see who finished outside the top 35 in the last 7 years. Megan Kang is listed on my sheet as a green light player. I was really excited. She finished 14th in my model as the 23rd highest priced player, so a little bit of value there. And it was just someone that her ownership has been dropping because she's been playing very mediocrely. And I thought that this would be a good place for her to get right. You know, take the ownership discount on a player that's generally in the, in the teens. However... I went back and looked, and she has finished outside the top 35 in three straight years coming into the 17, 18, 19. Obviously didn't play last year. So three straight years where she really has been irrelevant at this golf course. She's an average putter. She's very accurate with her driver and her irons. Average putter. She's only averaging three birdies around. What to make of that? I think I am going to switch my green color to yellow. I'm not really sure what to make of it, but I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to play her. I don't. When I saw what she fin what she did in the last three years at this golf course, I don't know if there's something with this course that doesn't suit her eye, something she doesn't like. Maybe she came in with poor form in all three years. I'm not sure. I don't really think that's the case because she's been a very solid player, you know, over the last couple of years. So th there might just be something about this course, something about that area. I don't know. Maybe it's just not something that suits her eye. You know, Dustin Johnson at, at TPC Sawgrass. It's just something there that it just doesn't look right. Jenny Shin at 8-9. I think a lot of people are going to be turned off because of what she did last week. When she withdrew after a hole or two holes, she was 17.5% owned in the $8 four-iron contest on DraftKings, the biggest LPJ contest we have. She was 17.5% owned and played one hole. People are going to be pissed pissed at that her average ownership is a little over eight percent 
And I think we're going to see that number or maybe even a little less because so so many people are going to be pissed off that she did that to that many players. I mean, that's a high percentage. I think she was like the sixth highest owned player in the field. The Danielle Kang, she had 8.5% ownership last week. That's that's y'all's fault. Not Not you if you didn't do it, but whoever did that, that's your fault. Because the withdrawal came out on Tuesday. I know DraftKings didn't notate it in the system, so we didn't see it on the app. But I tweeted it. I'm at Joe Butter underscore. I tweeted it. LPGA Media and their main LPGA account, they tweeted it. I mean, it was well documented that she was out. And she still garnered 8.5% ownership in the biggest contest on DraftKings. That's your fault. Jenny Shin withdrawing after a hole, that's, I mean... You say her fault, but I mean, you can't get mad at her for that. But that's not nothing we did wrong. She just fucked us all. Because I played her too. Not a lot. I think I played her in like two of 16 lineups. So it wasn't devastating to me. But that number is a drastically high number that people are going to be turned off. So I'm all in on Jenny Shin. I really like Alim Kim this week. Uh, she's turned it around the last couple of weeks. She didn't look excellent this week she finished 32nd uh but following the 10th place at the lote i i like her this week she averages over four birdies around very long uh great putter and she produces a seven and a half x value on DraftKings. her price hasn't really gone up a whole lot so that eight three is still a good solid number for me and it's just i'm, I'm all over that i think that's a great price and i don't think her ownership is going to be very high surrounded by amy olsen maria jatanagarn right above Megan Kang, right below. I think Alum Kim is going to be a great play. Um, I also like Mel Reed to a point. Um, I'm not going to be playing her a ton, but I do like her. I don't love her. Um, Carlota Saganda is going to be most likely a fade for me at this point. Uh, she has some wild history at this golf course. She's done a little bit. She has a top 10, a top 20. Three finishes outside the top 35. Just a little bit of everything. She's all over the board. And she she didn't really grade out too well. My model finished 48th overall. And she's the 17th highest priced player. Not good value from where I'm standing. So I'm, I'm not going to play her. NG Chun, not too sure about. That's one of my yellows. Um, course history, similar to Saganda's. A little bit all over the board. Uh, she's got... A top five. She's got a couple finishes outside the top 35. I'm not sure exactly what to do with it. And her numbers grayed out well. She finished fifth in my model, which is excellent, obviously. She's very accurate. She's a very good putter. Um, she's tore average in distance, which is really all you need. Uh, 8x value on DraftKings. It's just everything looks good except for that course history. is just so sporadic. Uh, that, that's kind of my hesitation, so I need to do a little bit more research. Maria Jatanagarn, she appears to be perfect for a no-cut event because if you watched last week, the first round was one of the most absurd rounds of golf I've seen a human play. Uh, she was four over through six and shot six under. She made 10 birdies in the last 13 holes, including six in a row at one point. Um, which is exactly what you need for this type of event. I mean, that first round, she shot six under, but she probably had more DraftKings points than anybody else because she had 10 birdies. I mean, Jessica Corda shot seven under. I'm positive Detonagarn outscored her. 
maybe like take away the placement. Like what we're looking for, we need points, points, points. We need birdies, birdies, birdies. And she makes a ton of them or she made a ton of them. So I think that's going to inflate her ownership. However, course history here is not good. Um, outside of that one round, it's not looking good. But people are going to cling to that round because it was televised. She was in that late group. So we got to watch it. Um, but we'll see. All right. Let's go into the sevens. We got Sophia Popov at 7-9. Angela Stanford, 7-8. Georgia Hall, 7-7. Nana Kurtz-Madsen, 7-6. Gabby Lopez and Hanako Shibuno, 7-5. Brittany Altamari, Sunghyun Park, 7-4. Anna Nordquist, Unhee G, 7-3. Azahara Munoz, Sarah Schmelzel, 7-2. Marina Alex, Caroline Masson, 7-1. Ziyu Lin, Weiling Su, $7,000 even. This group is... All over the map for me. I really like Nan Nana Kurtz Madsen. Like her a lot. Uh, birdie maker, long off the tee, solid putter, producing ten and a half x value on DraftKings, heavily outscoring her her finishing placements. And she didn't really get a huge bump. Uh, she averages about seven thousand dollars on a weekly basis, and she's at seventy six. Which, when you take the strength of the field, the size of the field, that's not a big bump. When you got players that are moving from, you know, 82 up to 99, you got players moving from 82 to 96, 73 to 93. We got big jumps by some of these players, and hers wasn't that big. And she's a birdie maker. She fin she averages a 26th place finish, which is very good. She's made all of her cuts, which doesn't matter for this event, but that shows you that she has been playing well. She's coming in in good form, and she's got the she's got the numbers to back it up. Gabby Lopez, I think this type of event is perfect for her. I don't like playing her because she's so sporadic. She She's the epitome of Keegan Bradley. She's just all over the map. But that's okay here. Give me a bunch of birdies. You can throw in your double when you, know, you lose a ball. Because she definitely finds some trouble with the driver. She's not very accurate off the tee, but she's long. And she's a, a solid putter. She makes a ton of birdies. She averages about four birdies around. Um... And she's producing 8x value on DraftKings, which is good. Hanako Shibono, Shibuno at 7.5. I like her a lot too. Birdie Maker played very well in the couple events that she's played. Uh, she grades well. She's gained strokes in every single aspect I'm looking at. Excellent putter, which is what... That's kind of my biggest factor at this type of event because I want you to make birdies. So if you're a great putter, you might not be as accurate off the tee you might like have to save a bunch of pars but that's fine but when you hit the green in regulation i want you to make birdies so i want good putters i want people that can convert greens in regulation to birdies and i think she's one of the best on tour at doing that and her price is frankly a little bit too low due to the strength of field um ziu lin is another player that i really like at seven thousand even uh same thing just playing really really well uh her Finishing placements the last couple of weeks have been a little up and down because her play has been a little up and down, but uh, she's made every cut, so she's been able to reel it in enough to get the job done. It's just, you know, she makes a bunch of birdies, she makes a bunch of bogeys. That's okay here. It's kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, I do have a couple big fades here. Angela Stanford, um, she's a previous winner. However, it wasn't at this golf course, and she's got... One, two, three finishes outside the top 35. 
just I think her ownership is going to be inflated a little bit because of her performance last week on a very difficult golf course. It kind of stood out how well she played, and she's a name that everybody knows. So her, you know, 5% average ownership, I think will jump up to 10 to 12. But I don't think it's a good spot for her. She's Her overall play has not been very good, and that performance last week is really going to inflate it to a point where I'm not touching her. Unhi G, another fade for me, another red colored player. I don't have many, but she's one of them. Uh, same thing. Just she finished sixty first overall in the model. She's the thirty fourth priced player. Poor value. Uh, good putter, but loses strokes with her irons. Loses strokes with her driver. Loses strokes scoring. She only averages two and a half birdies around, and just it's not gonna get it done at a no cut event. Uh, Caroline Masson is somebody I'm a little bit intrigued with. I'm not heavily decided one way or the other yet, but she has a pretty solid course history. I mean, she's finished in the top 23 times in the last six years, since 2015, since the last five years. Uh, three top 20 finishes in five years, one outside the top 35. So she's been solid at this golf course. She knows how to play this golf course. She's not coming in with great form. However, that course history may be a benefit for her. She averages three and a half birdies around, but she's a below average putter. It kind of makes me nervous. But it's one of those flyers where she's shown the ability to finish well at this golf course. I mean, she's finished 19th here in 2019, uh, 15th here in 2018, and 7th in 2015. So she knows how to get it done. She's not going to garner a lot of ownership because not a lot of people know who she is. And I think that's a good flyer play. Um, Anna Norquist, I'm also not sure about. She's always very highly owned. Uh, it's just, I don't know. At that ownership, with I don't see her winning events right now. She's not. She's putting very bad. She's losing over a stroke in putting. Um, I don't know. Not real interested if her ownership was under 10. You could talk me into it, but... I mean, she seems to live in the 15 to 20% range, and I'm I'm just not going there at that price. She's made every cut. She has an average finish of 32nd. So she's making cuts and not getting into contention. So when there's a no-cut event, I just, I need you to finish in the top 10, and or top at least the top 20. And I don't see her having, she finished in 7th in 2017th, nothing else inside the top 20. So... Not something that I'm extremely interested in. Sarah Smelzel is a player that I was on last week. Uh, missed the cut by one after shooting one under on day one. She could not make a putt on day two. I think she had 36 putts in the second round. I mean, that's that's me out there playing golf. Like that, it just couldn't. She couldn't get it in the hole. It irritated me because I needed her to make the cut to help you know some of my lineups that I was really struggling with, and it didn't work out. This isn't a good place for her. She's not a very good putter to begin with, and she showed that on Thursday last week, uh, staying away from her. Wadling Sue has been garnering a little bit more popularity over the last couple weeks. I think she could be a very good play here. She produces 9x value on DraftKings, and her price remain relatively similar. She averages 3.5 birdies around. Um, pretty good putter. She averages a stroke around, or half a stroke around uh, putting, so that's you know good here. I'm just curious as to what our ownership's going to be. If it's, you know, if it 
remains sub five, which we won't know obviously until we start. But if if you could guarantee me that she would be sub five percent owned, I would play her a lot. If she's over that, then I'm a little bit more hesitant. Sophia Popoff um, is another name that people are going to cling to. Um, I'm not interested this week, really. Uh, not a good putter. She's been very erratic off the tee, which I think is going to hurt you more this week than most weeks. This course look narrow and a lot of waterline fairways. I need you to be accurate off the tee. That's one of the things that I'm kind of emphasizing is accuracy off the tee and putting. So put the ball in the fairway to where you have a good shot to the green and you know convert your greens into birdies. And I don't see her doing that. She's below average, below average putter, and she's losing 10 strokes off the tee. So not interested there, but she's going to be owned because she's just one of those players that everybody clings to. She won a major last year. Um, everybody's going to look at her game log and see that she's making all of her cuts. She's made 5 of 5 cuts. She has an averaging finish position of 39th, so she's not really doing anything with it. Okay, 6K range. It's a little bit smaller this week than normal, but there's still about 30 players, so I'm not going to read it off to you. I'll just point out something that I really like. My favorite, one of my favorite plays on the board um, under, you know, 9K might be Nicole Brock Larson. I think she's a great play here. Um, the one hesitation I have is that she's very erratic off the tee. Um, that scares me, but she's a very good putter. She's averaging almost a stroke around. On the greens, she averages over a stroke around with her irons, and she's long. She's just wildly inaccurate, but she's made five of five cuts, and she averages four birdies around. Produces a 10x value on DraftKings, and her price is a little bit under than her average. It, with this strength of field, no cut event, birdie or better percentage is needed. I'm I'm all in on Nicole Brock Larson this week. Her birdie average is the highest of anybody priced below 8.3. Alim Kim averages 4.2 birdies per round. Other than her, Nicole Brock Larson, under her is about 60 players. Nicole Brock Larson averages more birdies than all of those players. So I'll, I'm all in on that. Give me the scoring uh, of a player like that that's priced at 6,600. It's a slam dunk pick. Jarena Pillar was a player that I had marked off as green. She has a okay course history from what I could gather until I looked at her outside the top 35. So she either finishes inside the top 20 or outside the top 35. So it's, which is what you get from a $6,400 player. I mean, that's what you should expect, but she only averages two and a half. She's under two and a half birdies around and she loses a stroke per round on the greens. Uh, so, it was a name that I I pointed out when I was doing my initial look into it, but the further I got in, I'm, I I don't like it. Jing Yang, Jing Yan, 6100 is worth a flyer to me. Uh, she's a little bit under tour average in distance, but she's gaining four strokes off the tee and uh, almost two strokes with her irons. She's a tick above tour average in putting. At 6,100, she averages over three birdies around, which is right a little bit higher than normal of all the 6K players. It's worth a flyer. I mean, $6,100 would allow you to get up to Jin Young Ko if you want. You can play Jing Yan and Nicole Brock Larson. You could probably get Jin Young Ko and Hannah Green or MB Park and Hannah Green. 
as you wish. You can kind of flip flop, you know, some of those 10K players. I think it's worth a worth a shot. Sidney Clinton is a big fade for me. Just poor course history, coming in on poor form. She's the highest projected ownership play under five or under seven K other than Brittany Lincecum and Cheyenne Knight. So she's projected to be a third highest owned player. I'm I'm not playing her. Brittany Lincecum is projected to be the highest owned player in this range. Big giant fade for me. She has four finishes outside the top 35 in the last seven years. And one finish inside the top 20, which was an 18th place finish in 2015. Horrible course history. Uh, Not coming in on good form. She's losing a stroke per round on the greens. Averages a tick under three and a half birdies around, which is solid. However, it's just not, I don't know, she's not making anything out of it. She's not doing anything with it. She's averaging a finished position of 51st. Um, not very accurate off the tee. She's very good with her irons, but, you know, can't convert those into birdies, what it seems like. And, yeah, not someone I'm really interested in playing. Under 7x value on DraftKings, her price went down. But I think that's going to spike her ownership. People are going to see that name at $6,700 and everybody's going to be clicking it. I'd, I'd be shocked if she's under, you know, 14% owned at 6700 And I'm staying away from sub $7,000 chalk. It's just not prudent to, to make that play. I mean, if everybody's chalking up a person this low, there's there's probably a reason why that name is where they are. People are going to cling to the name. So at $6,700, this is my, I debuted it last week, my big giant pivot of the week, Joe Butters, Girls Got Game Pod, pivot of the week, Nicole Brock Larson at 66 over Brittany Lincecum at $6,700. That's my big pivot. That's what everybody needs to be doing. Let those 15% of people play Lincecum. Let them crash and burn with her 48th place finish. And hop on Nicole Brock Larson and ride that to a top 10. Because she's finishing in the top 10 this week. And if she doesn't finish in the top 10, actually, let me reword that. Her DraftKings points total will be in the top 10 this week. She, If she finishes 16th, she's going to outplay that position by, with DraftKings points, which is what we need. That's the name of the game. You need DraftKings points. Really, at the end of the day, you know, a player can win an event. If the player that came in second made 12 more birdies and just, you know, a couple more bogeys, you're probably going to outscore. Chances are it's not going to work that way first and second. But you get you get my point. Like, you can finish lower than somebody else but score more DraftKings points. That's what we need. And Nicole Brock Larson is going to outscore her finishing position. I guarantee you that. That's my, that's my big guarantee for the HSBC Women's World Championship. <sighs> Chella Choi, um, she has a pretty solid course history. Um, she's finished in the top 20 uh, about three times in the past seven years. Never finished outside the top 35 from what I could gather. So I don't know if it's maybe she didn't play those years and I just missed missed seeing her in the that 20 to 35 little range that I wasn't really paying much attention to. Or maybe she didn't play every time. I'm not real sure. But her course history is solid and she's only $6,500. She averages over three birdies around. Not a very good putter, very good off the tee, very good with her irons. So, eh, take it for what it's worth. She's only 
made two of six cuts, though. So something in there is not adding up to really good play. Uh, but she does have the course history where this could be that get-right place, you know, similar to uh, Arya Jatanagarn kind of thing. Lizette Salas is another player that is in the yellow for me. Um, she has a couple top 20 finishes, nothing outside the top 35, but she's just not playing real well. I don't know if this is a get-right spot for her. She's gaining 10 strokes off the tee in driving accuracy. She's gaining over four strokes around in uh, iron play. She's losing about a quarter of a stroke on the greens, which isn't horrible. Uh, that's not much below average. But she averages less than three birdies around. So whatever she's doing, she's making pars and bogeys, which isn't going to help us. It's kind of all I got. I'm, I don't really have any other names that jump out at me that I need to mention. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a jam-packed, very small field. We're going to get to see a lot of players that we don't normally get to see because the field is so small that broadcast window is going to be large enough to where we might be able to see a swing from every player in this field, which we don't ever get to do. The LPGA seems very selective with who they're showing. From what I've noticed, when the LPGA releases their featured groups, which is usually they probably have today that I, I just haven't seen it on Twitter yet, those featured groups, it's not like the PGA Tour where we get to watch those groups live on PGA Tour Live. We don't get to see them live pre-broadcast. However, when you get to the broadcast, those are the groups that they show. And they don't really waver from that. They don't really show you anybody else unless they're leading. Like, they'll show you Maria Jatanagarn making, you know, nine birdies in 11 holes because of what she's doing. But they're not really going to just bounce around and show you other players. So you get to see those um, featured groups. But once you get to the weekend, we're going to see a lot more people making swings than we normally get to see which is going to be nice i want to see some of these people i want to see what these swings look like like i'm looking at numbers um diving into stats i'm digging into research but some of these people might be swinging like matt wolf and i don't know not that that matters i mean you can get it done but i want i want to know what they what their swing looks like i want to see them on tv i want to hear you pronounce their name so i can get their name right and i'm not butchering these names every single week which is probably annoying for some to hear but i think this is going to be a fun one I think this is going to be a really cool tournament. No cut. Um, pretty much a premier field event. And these are ones where you can really take advantage of in DraftKings because the pricing is generally softer. Because you got, I mean, you have to make players available down in the 6,000s because you have to be able to allow people to create lineups up top. So there's usually good players that are priced too low. Nicole Grock Larson. Let's take advantage of it. That's all I got this week. Thank you for bearing with me this weekend as I was moving and giving me some time to get this out and allowing you to have a full 24-hour window. Remember, if you're on the East Coast, these lineups lock at 7.25 p.m. on Wednesday evening. If you're on the West Coast, 4.25 p.m. Wednesday evening. Get those lineups in. Fill those contests. Let's keep that 880 contest. Eight, 880 entry contest available. Let's make it bigger. Let's make it get up to 5,000 to the first place. Let's keep this thing going. DraftKings, I really appreciate what you're doing. I'm, I love the LPGA contest. I've had a blast. Obviously, people are liking it too because I've had a lot of great feedback on this podcast. So let's keep filling those contests and let's keep 
making this bigger. Let's bring more eyes to the LPGA because these girls got game. All right, let's have some fun. Let's go win some money. We'll talk next time.